Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Lost in the Shuffle Tap Dance Podcast, brought to you by itaponline.com. My name is Hilary Marie. I am your host, and I am here to support you in your tap dance journey by sharing with you my top tap dance tips and tricks so you can be the best tap dancer or tap teacher that you can be. Why? Because I love helping you achieve your tap dance goals, whatever they may be in this big old tap dance world. Now, if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. If you have not done so already, please go ahead and give the podcast a five-star rating and written review. Share your favorite episode. Share your favorite tips and tricks that you have received and how it's had a positive impact on your tap dance training or your tap classes. If you would do that, it would be so appreciated and amazing. Please know that I read every single one of those comments myself. They mean the world to me, and they mean the world to other passionate tap dancers and tap teachers just like you who are looking for tap dance content to support them in their tap dance journey. And your five-star rating and positive written review helps them to know that this Lost in the Shuffle tap dance podcast is a positive resource for their tap dance world. So if you would do that, I would be very appreciative and you would be quite amazing. Now, if you are a new listener, then welcome, my friend. Be sure to subscribe so that you can get notified every time a new episode goes live. That includes these weekly episodes throughout the season, but also my bonus episodes, those ones that I don't really promote. They don't find their way on the interwebs or in an email blast or an Instagram post or anything like that. They're just something fun that I like to drop on here and something fun that I want to make sure that you don't miss out on. All right. So be sure to hit subscribe so you can be one of the first to know when a new episode of the Lost in the Shuffle Tap Dance podcast is ready and waiting for you. Now, last week's episode was all about tap dance levels, and it was quite the episode, my friends. We dove deep into what is beginner, what is intermediate, what is advanced, how do you know your level, how do you sign up for classes at tap festivals and other events that have level names that don't necessarily match the level of what your local studio calls it. Mm, we also got deep into... Are tap dance levels really even that important? Oh yes, yes we did. So if you haven't had a chance to check out that episode, go ahead and scroll on back. But what's on tap for this week is trick steps. We are going to dive deep into tricky trick steps, including how to learn them, how to teach them, everything from what order should they be taught in, at what age, at what level. I'm talking pullbacks, wings, toe stands, over the tops, all the things. Now, what I have personally found when it comes to teaching trick steps in tap dance is that there are two things that are super important. The first is a proper technical foundation, and the second is the specific order in which these trick steps are introduced. Now, before I dive deep into this, I want to kick it off with an important note right here and right now that I do not teach trick steps until the intermediate level. 
Trick steps have nothing to do with age and everything to do with level. And again, you can scroll back to season two, episode eight, to learn more about those tap dance levels. But again, I do not teach tricks until the intermediate level. Beginners do not need to learn trick steps to stay engaged in tap class. They need to focus on honing their techniques so that they have a proper foundation. Tricks are not an engagement tool for educational learning. And I will say it louder again one more time for all my tap teachers in the back that tricks are not an engagement tool to capture the waning attention of students who are disconnecting from tap class. But that is a whole other issue and tricks are not the solution to that problem. And that sounds like a whole other podcast episode for another season. So circling back around for me, Tricks have nothing to do with age, and they start at the intermediate level. And again, if you want to hear more about tap dance levels, scroll back to season two, episode eight. Now let's go ahead and get into it, and let's talk about that technical foundation. When a dancer has a strong technical foundation, meaning that their toes, heels, flaps, shuffles, cramp rolls, paradiddles, all basic technical vocabulary is crispy clean meaning that they have full control over their feet. Trick steps are super easy to teach. It is not a big to-do. Oftentimes, teachers will jump into trick steps too early for many reasons, like the one I mentioned before, and it could be to try and keep their students energized and motivated in tap dance or giving them something cool to reach for or to add some flash to a piece of choreography. But we want to make sure that dancers are being introduced to tricks when they're ready for them. If you cannot do a maxi forward, then you definitely should not be working on pullbacks and wings. If your shuffles aren't clean, then there's no reason for you to be practicing toe stand turns. I can't tell you how many dancers I have seen that can do wings from a toe stand. I'm talking about they're starting on the box of their tap shoe, on the tip of their toes, starting and ending there for a wing, but they cannot do a proper cramp roll with four sounds. Come on now. I have found that dancers like this are often slowed down by tricks because what they learn is how to do a trick one way, at one tempo, to be specifically performed for a piece of choreography. And with this in mind, it takes them a long time to get it right. But when a dancer develops a proper technical foundation first, and then they learn their tricks, those tricks are super flexible. They can do them at different tempos, they can do them in different grooves, and they have full control and full facility of how to properly execute those tricks in choreography and in improvisation. It shouldn't take weeks upon weeks upon weeks to learn how to do a trick step clean. It should take a short period of time. I'm talking like 10 minutes, maybe. Getting it clean every single time consistently, that takes time and practice and repetition. But getting the mechanics of it right, nailing it one time, and understanding how it works, and being able to replicate that, that should not take weeks on end. Now let's go ahead and talk about the order in which these steps are introduced, because from here, it's all about giving a dancer the progressions that they need to succeed. I usually like to kick it off with simple air steps like falling off a log, heel clicks, and things like that. These are flashy looking steps that are easier to execute. From there, 
it's straight into pullbacks. So back in season one, episode 80, titled Perfect Pullbacks, I talk about the specific order in which I teach pullbacks, starting with a weight shifting exercise, then two-footed single pullbacks, then grab-offs, then double pullbacks on both sides, starting in a slow triplet to begin with, and then the traditional shigadagat-tigadagat. Then one-footed single pullbacks on both sides. So make sure you go ahead and scroll on back to check out that episode. That is Season 1, Episode 80, titled Perfect Pullbacks. Scroll back and check that out for a step-by-step guide and instructions on how to nail those pullbacks. Many ITAP members, ITAP teachers, and podcast listeners have had so much success with their pullbacks after listening to that specific episode. So with that in mind, I'm not going to dive deep into how I teach pullbacks specifically, but all of that to say, the order in which a dancer is introduced to steps really matters because we want to give them a progression. We want to lay a foundation for them to succeed. So I like to dive into pullbacks early on in this Tricky Trick Steps introduction because they are the basis of other trick steps, including rolling shuffles or that popular Henry Letang rolling shuffle combo. So after that, I like to jump into over the tops when my students are learning the BS chorus. And we'll also begin working on proper slide technique. From there, it's wings. I like to do two-footed shikida, then a one-footed shikida, right side, left side. I also like to get that switching wing, and then you can get a separated wing. Some people call it a double wing, but that's when you go out, out, in, in, land, land, right, left, right, left, right, left. And I will dive deeper into how I do wings in a future season and episode, and I'll also have that for ITAP members in the Crispy Clean Tap Technique course in the ITAP Online Member Center. So next, if a dancer is ready, I will move into steps like pull shuffle lands. I think some people call them firecrackers. Um, I like to call it a pull shuffle land because that's literally what it is. You're starting your pullback, you're shuffling, and then you're landing from your pullback. So I don't know. I like the term pull shuffle land. It seems very clear to me. We know exactly what that is. Um, but again, if a dancer does not have clean pullbacks or shuffles, then there is no way that they are going to comfortably pull off a pull shuffle land. They're not going to be able to pull a pull shuffle land out of their pocket. So instead of saying, oh, I really want them to learn this step to go in this piece of choreography and they can't get it right, I'm not going to drill pull shuffle lands for months on end. You got to go back. You got to clean up those pullbacks. You got to clean up those shuffles. And then those pull shuffle lands are not so tricky. From there, I like to get into double single pullbacks. So a regular single pullback is two feet going pull and land. A double single pullback is two feet going pull, pull, land. And both feet are pulling and landing at the same time. Um, then I'd like to also get into double, double pullbacks. So that's when you pull the right, pull the left, pull the right, pull the left, land right, land left. sha da 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 ga ga now, when it comes to double single pullbacks or double double pullbacks, that's not something that I teach to an entire class. That's something that I give a specific dancer who I feel is ready for more when practicing their pullbacks across the floor or, you know, in the moment in a combination. 
Um, when we are practicing pullbacks during class, all of my students are working on different things at the same time. I'm not going to have an entire class working on double single pullbacks when this person really needs to focus on their grab-offs and this person needs to focus on their double pullbacks and this one dancer is the one that's ready to push it to the next level. So I like to meet dancers where they're at and have everybody working on something similar, the same theme, but if it's not time for you to move on, then it's not time. You need to clean up your basic foundation before you move on to the next progression in, for example, a pullback series. Alongside those double single pullbacks, I will also get into what some people call push fronts, which is like a pullback, but moving forward, which is not the same as a double falap though, all right? Totally different mechanics. So push fronts. But again, if your pullbacks aren't clean, I'm not going to give you a push front. I want clean pullbacks before moving on to something like that. And then after that, we get into other trick steps. You know, the type of trick steps that don't have names. Super challenging air steps, like, you know, the crazy stuff that you check out Jared Grimes' Instagram and you're like, oh my God, the guy's a monster. <laughs> the guy's a beast. You're like, what is that? And you're pulling that apart, right? So that's when I like to get into that sort of stuff with my students after they have a very strong foundation and progression through all of these other trick steps that I feel precede some of the crazier footwork. So overall, these trick steps end up being pretty easy for my students to pick up because I've made sure that they've learned the vocabulary that they need to know in order to be able to successfully move on to the next progression, to the next challenge, to the next trick step. Now I know what you might be wondering. You're thinking, but Hillary, you didn't mention toe stands and toe stand turns. All right, let's talk about them. Toe stands and toe stand turns. I do not formally teach them. They are not a formal part of my curriculum. I teach them when I feel a piece of choreography calls for them, which in my choreography is a pretty rare moment, but it happens here and there a couple times throughout the season. And when I do teach them, again, it's not some big to-do. It's not some big box that's checked. I show them how to execute it, they do it, and bam, we're moving along. It takes no time. It literally takes about 30 seconds for them to get it right because they have a proper technical foundation and they're able to pause and listen to me as I tell them to keep that knee bent and to make sure their weight is in the right place and all the tips and tricks that they need to be able to pull off a solid toe stand or toe stand turn or however you're going up there, all right, however it is. So it's not a big formal part of the curriculum. It's something that's taught when they need it. Now, when it comes to fast rolls that don't involve any type of air steps, like a wing or a pullback or a push front, you know, anything that is just there is no specific order that I teach rolling steps in. Why? Because pushing speed is a part of a tap dancer's journey at every level from beginner through advanced. And that's why I teach my students and ITAP members something that I call speed training. To learn more about that, you can scroll back to season one, episode 88, which is all about tap dancers' top three mistakes when practicing fast footwork. And ITAP members can go to the Fast Feet and Phrasing course in the ITAP Online Member Center and check out my very specific lessons on speed training, including how we properly use that metronome to identify our breaking point to properly train our speed. 
All right, so when it comes to trick steps and fast footwork, that's not a big formal thing. It's not something that I necessarily consider a trick. I know that it can be considered a trick because it is impressive and it elicits applause in a performance, but um, I feel that speed is a part of every tap dancer's journey from the moment they put tap shoes on. Everybody is trying to embrace their inner speed demon and get their speed up to par with clarity. So for my ITAP members, if that's something that you're focusing on right now, check out that Fast Feet and Phrasing course in the ITAP Online Member Center along with that speed training lesson. All right, you guys, so a quick recap here. I've talked to you about how I teach trick steps and the order that I teach them in, the way that I like to approach it and building that technical foundation. But now I'm going to share with you specifically how I do not teach trick steps, all right? Specific things that I do not do. And one of those is I do not teach trick steps just going across the floor or just in place. Every time I teach a trick step, I will ask my students to put it into context. I will ask them to choreograph two bars in 4-4 time, also known as eight counts, or four bars in 4-4 time, also known as 16 counts, using the step. I want to make sure that they can get in and out of the step. This is a form of practical application, which is super important, which is one of the five fundamentals of tap dance, which is something that I dive deep into in the ITAP teacher certificate program. So why do I have them choreographing a short phrase? Because I don't want my students getting caught in the trap of knowing how to do a trick step one way. Tricks mean nothing if they cannot be properly put into context, and I want my students to be able to get into them and out of them, because this will make executing tricks in their choreography super simple for them, as well as in their improvisation. In the ITAP Teacher Certificate Program, we talk about tap dance as a language and technique as a foundation, and I often compare trick steps to big, fancy words. And if you use a big, fancy word out of context you sound pretty silly. And trick steps and tap dance are the same exact thing. If you use them at a time that they don't belong, they don't read properly. But if you place it properly and you can get in and you can get out, then it really up levels the message that you're trying to convey in that moment. Now there's one more important thing that I do not do when it comes to teaching trick steps. And that is, I do not teach trick steps at a bar or in a chair. Using the bar or a chair to teach trick steps is going to lead to improper execution guaranteed 100%. When a dancer uses a bar, they are putting their weight in an entirely different place. When a dancer is sitting in a chair, the mechanics of that trick no longer apply. So no bars and no chairs when it comes to teaching trick steps. You've got to learn them in the air because when you do them, you'll be doing them in the air and you need to understand the proper mechanics, where your weight placement is. If you're using an up jump or a down jump, which is a huge part of properly executing trick steps and tap dance, which is something that I talk about in season two, episode four. So go ahead and scroll on back for that one. I am consistently seeing tap teachers sharing videos of their students not being able to properly execute wings or pullbacks or over the tops, whatever it is. And the number one piece of advice that is consistently repeated and commented to these teachers who are seeking 
advice and guidance is have them do it at the bar or do it in a chair. And every time I see that, I think to myself, no, 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 please don't. No trick steps at the bar or in the chair because the mechanics of it go completely out the window. All right. So those are the two things that I do not do when teaching trick steps. All right, my friends, that is it for today's Tricky Trick Steps episode. ITAP members, if you have any questions, be sure to bring them to our ITAP Q&A chat and I will help you out. And of course, if you are working out any of these trick steps and you just need some help, you know the deal. Film yourself and send it to me and I will get back to you with those tips and tricks that you need to make it happen and to get those tricks crispy clean. Make sure you guys join me in next week's episode where I will be talking about what a successful tap class looks like. How do you know that you've taught an absolutely awesome tap class? Ooh, we're getting philosophical with it, you guys. Yes, we are. All right, so until then, I'm wishing you all the best, and I'm looking forward to sharing shuffles with you super soon in the iTop Online Member Center. Hey, hey, real quick. If you want more free tap dance tips and tricks, go to itaponlinecommunity.com to join our free itaponline community Facebook group. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at itaponline and follow me on Instagram at Hilary Marie Tap, H I L L A R Y M A R I E T A P. Now, if you're ready to achieve your tap dance goals, whatever those may be, and you want access to my best tap dance content, then head over to itaponline.com slash trial for two free weeks of unlimited access to everything that the iTap Online Member Center has to offer. That is two free weeks of live Zoom classes, Q&A chats, Zoom class replays, all of my courses, which include Tap Dance 101, Historical Choreo, Improve Your Improv, Fast Feet and Phrasing, Rhythm Training for Tap Dancers, and more, and direct access to me for mentorship, guidance, and feedback. Be sure to go to itaponline.com slash trial for two free weeks of unlimited access to the iTap Online Member Center, and you'll have instant access to my best tap dance tips and tricks. <laughs>